from Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. Morning, boys. Good morning. 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 Happy Monday, happy... Whoa, 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 whoa. We good? Oh, that's... Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's the about there or something. <laughs> I thought a demon had taken over the radio or something. <laughs> storm Major has actually hit uh, the northeast of England, there's no doubt about that, but the storm's brewing over the stadium light over the riverside in St James' yes. Park. <laughs> Just wanted to, I was actually weekend. searching the noughts there just to see where Steve has been possessed by a demon. Like, <laughs> no mention of Asmodeus or Beelzebub on here, like. <laughs> if, people had, if people had heard us two minutes ago but while we're in the green room ready to do this show, you would never have expected that. Mate, if it was a green room, we'd all be coming on very, very well endowed right now. <laughs> more of a, more of a beige a, room. A rough weekend. <laughs> Absolutely, it was. Never mind. Oh. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Good morning. Daz. How Good are morning. you? Morning, Teddy boy. Yeah, all Hello, great. Sir. Thank you. I've got it's... breaking news, Ray. Oh, oh, what is it? Front page of the Daily Star. TV legend Brian Blessed. I wrestled a forty-eight stone gorilla. No way. <laughs> no way. There's no way. That's and the gorilla and gone. the gorilla girls all fancied him because of that. <laughs> Ryan Blessed's just, I mean, protect that man at all costs because he is just. Gordon's all... alive! <laughs> Fantastic. Would you guys he? rather, would you guys rather wrestle a gorilla or a bear? Like a grizzly bear? Definitely a gorilla. Ooh. I've seen Corky and yeah, Bear. Yeah, I'd take a gorilla. Yeah, I'd, I'd see. I've, I've seen grizzlies. <laughs> what's that movie with, uh, what's his name, Leonardo in it? You know, where it's like he gets mauled by a bear. Have you seen that? Oh my God. Yeah. Then. Anyway, we're off track. Good morning. Good. I'm trying to keep off football. <laughs> yeah, morning, yeah keep going. Yeah, let's do anything other than talk yeah, about football. Top movie reviews and Netflix. Yeah, yeah, do it. Do it. Only two of us played this weekend. One had the weekend off, but that didn't mean they had to got to shy away from the news. It's a big, big Monday morning. You can see we're all a bit down because no one really got a win on the weekend. In fact, it was more of a loss. It's called, especially from the borough. But we're here Monday morning. Rise back on the good microphone with the good friends as well. So. It's good. We're looking for a good week. Big week for the borough as well. So we're going to cover all that today on your Monday morning. We're going to obviously talk about those weekend results. We saw Sunderland uh, going down uh, to Hull and we saw Middlesbrough drawing with Rotherham 1-0. We also saw Newcastle having the weekend off, but Kieran Trippier has been targeted by Bayern Munich. It looks like they've been given the green light to move forward for the Newcastle right back and captain. We'll talk to Steve about that and get the latest from there. We're going to have a bogey team chat about Rotherham because it seems to be the way yeah. they play nullifies all of Carrick's traditional way of <laughs> Borough playing. And we seem to just struggle against them ever so mighty. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to obviously talk about Sunderland going down to Hull. Is Beal actually in trouble? We heard the first time ever only three Duh, games in chanting. <laughs> chanting for Beal out has already started. Uh, could we'll talk to Teddy Boy and get the lowdown of that? Kevin Phillips has been announced as well, lads. Kevin Phillips is, is back. He's now the manager of Hartlepool, head coach. Well, it's uh, in a surprise appointment from Hartlepool. We'll talk about that. Ivan Tony's come back from his 
uh, from his band and he scored, but he also moved the ball. We're going to talk to the lads about seeing yeah. Ivan Tony come back and get him getting the captain's armband after being banned. Would that be interesting? Omar Bereda. It might not strike anyone here in the Northeast, but it's the senior figure from the Man City has switched over to Man United as their chief executive. Can you believe it? So Man United now dipping into their neighbours to uh, get some things, get some people and get some results on the board if they can under their new ownership. And just the big one for me, lads, why the EFL and the EPL are so far apart. With no VAR, no rest weekend, why are we still seeing decisions like we saw on the weekend when... Coburn was onside. He was onside, Darren Bond. I'm going to stay calm. I promised everyone I'd stay calm. When Darren <laughs> Bond... Me, like. uh, okay, that's it, Ted. You're out of here. I swear to God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I've raised my voice once. I'm sorry. I apologise, listeners. I apologise. Ted just pushed the wrong button there. I'm the new neighbors. I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, how are you? Looking out the window. Yes, this is my first time... Yes, you would have heard me on the weekend screaming at Darren Bond. But that's the show for today. But let's start off, as always, with some club headlines, Dazzy Boy, as we go around the three towns and find out what's making news for their club. We're interested to hear from a Mackham one, I reckon. That might be a good one. Smoggies and Proud. Uh, news. Good morning, Borough fans. Hope you're all fantastic, safe and well on this, your Monday morning. Middlesbrough manager Michael Carrick has confirmed... He is sweating over the fitness of key duo Johnny Housen and Isaiah Jones ahead of our season-defining Carabao Cup semi-final second leg at Chelsea. Barra are hoping to defy the odds and weeks Wembley at the expense of Mauricio Pochettino's expensively assembled squad. They gave themselves hope when they kept a clean sheet at the Riverside and Hayden Hackney's goal only to secure a first leg win. But we are worried that Izzy Jones and Johnny Housen, thanks to Michael Carrick's presser, that they may not be fit and be without the key duo. We will be welcoming back the heavily linked Aston Villa, Morgan Rogers, for the second tie, who is now past his uh, yellow cards. Morgan, uh, speaking of Morgan Rogers, Middlesbrough are apparently open to selling him this month. However, the championship hopefuls will not allow Rogers to leave for less than their valuation, which is thought to be significant considering this week uh, Morgan Rogers is just six months into a four-year contract that he put to pen to Middlesbrough this summer. And also, just finally, Middlesbrough are monitoring Swindon Town centre-back Harris Minturn. Middlesbrough are in the market for a new fender, most likely due to the number of injuries we've had in the back line. Tommy Smith, Daryl Lenahan out for the season, while Paddy McNair has just come back, showing his signs that he might be coming back from an injury on the weekend. The 20-year-old starlet, obviously Minturn, has played 23 times in all competitions for the League Two side this season and has seriously impressed. That's your Borough headlines. On to Chelsea. Forget Rotherham. Good morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. It's been quite the weekend, hasn't it? Forget Liz Truss. Michael Beale is now getting the daily star treatment when it comes to being pitted against a lettuce as Sunderland supporters showcase their frustration. <laughs> Back in 2022, the daily star challenged Liz Truss to outlast the googly-eyed vegetable as she bit remain at 10 Downing Street for as long as possible. Now, a Black Cats fan has joked about doing something similar with his beloved club as the form continued to take a nosedive on the pitch. He shared on X, formerly known as Twitter, I'm starting a motion. Can Mick Bale outlast this lettuce? Today is day one. My money's on the cabbage-based contender, and that's the lettuce, if that's still unclear. But we'll chart its progress, and we will keep you up to date. Birmingham City have made an approach to sign Sunderland attacker Alex Pritchard, according to assorted outlets online. 
Preacher's out of contract in the summer at Sunderland and there has been no offer of a new deal as yet. Tony Mowbray is thought to be keen for a reunion, although it appears the first bid has been turned down. 30-year-old Pritchard has been a strong creative outlet for the Black Cats this season, having notched five assists and one goal across nine starts in the second tier. And as we've already heard, Sunderland legend Kevin Phillips is ready to embrace the challenge line ahead of him after accepting an offer to take charge at National League club Hartlepool United. The former Black Cats striker enjoyed a successful maiden venture into management after guiding South Shields to the Northern Premier League title before bringing to an end his 18-month reign at the end of last season. Phillips has been linked with several vacancies in the aftermath of his departure from the first Cloud Arena after being named as a candidate to take over at Solihull Motors, Walsall and Burton Albion. Best of luck to your super, Kev, at the Igor Sunderland headlines. Magpies and Proud, Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle fans. Celtic Vigo announced on Sunday they had completed the permanent signing of Newcastle fullback Javier Manquillo. The 30-year-old Spaniard has agreed a contract until 2025 and is reunited with former Magpies boss Rafa Benitez, who bought him from Atletico Madrid to Tyneside in 2017. The last of Manquillo's 110 competitive appearances for Newcastle came last May. Since then, he's been sidelined with a reported groin problem. His contract at St James's Park was due to expire in the summer. Following the emergence of links between Kieran Trippier and German side Bayern Munich on Friday, Saturday produced further media claims regarding the defender. There's agreement from different sources that the Bundesliga side's interest is real and that Newcastle were unwilling to sell when contacted by them. Where things are less clear though now is how Trippier is on moving to Bavaria with the Times assenting that he's prepared to leave St James's Park. Saturday also brought a claim from the Mail that the Atletico Madrid club had made an unsuccessful, unsuccessful bid to acquire the services of Callum Wilson. Tickets for Newcastle United's Premier League visit to Arsenal on Saturday, February the 24th go on sale to season ticket holders at 2 o'clock today. The initial points requirement has been set at 115 and there'll be a reduction on Tuesday. And Newcastle United's women faced Nottingham Forest yesterday at home and lost 2-1 with Georgia Gibson grabbing the consolation. That's your Newcastle headlines on Monday morning. And thank you very much, gentlemen. This is the North East Footy Breakfast. 12 minutes past 7, right across the northeast on the Cat, the Toon and the Red. You can get in touch with the show at any time on 033-043-2002. That's our WhatsApp number. Drop us a WhatsApp on 033-043-2002. We'd love to hear from you this morning. Congrats we to everybody involved with the show as well, because we did hit 100 shows last week, lads. Yeah, Kim, you believe it. Yeah. They kept us on the air that long. I mean, that, <laughs> that kicked us off. You know I mean? well, we, we only had, had like 13 complaints per show, which is not I too mean, bad yeah, at all. Well, that's the good. thing. You know, Ted, I think Ted's been the closest to being fired when he annoyed Radio Dad that other week, but that's about it. I think we're doing all right no, at the no, moment. No, 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 absolutely <laughs> not. I'm, I'm not the legal bother here. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? Well, actually, well, Teddy Boy, since actually, ooh, gents, yeah, yeah, we did actually receive a complaint on uh, for oh, Friday's no. show. Um, oh, no. um, basically, okay. uh, as you know, Radio Dad is out in uh, Dubai at the yes. moment. Yes, uh, in a uh, obviously it's a Muslim country, and on Friday on the sign-off at the end of the show. One of the Northeast Footy Brecky lads uh, sent a message to Dave live on air asking him to bring home the bacon. 
oh. which was hugely inappropriate. Um, oh. <laughs> especially as he's in a Muslim country uh, and they oh, don't no. have very much bacon there. So, uh, yeah, Steve, lad, I'll be having a word with you later on, okay? Oh, All right. Steve. <laughs> he sounds bothered, doesn't he? I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't he? After the conversation boy, about Steve. schools and things like that, I don't think this is the worst <laughs> disciplinary Steve's ever had. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Good luck to Dave. Safe journey home, radio dad. Yeah, he's, 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 he will be back on the chair, in the chair. Well, weather dependent, um, because... Yeah, uh, I mean, not looking too good, is it? Yeah, uh, there's already been uh, flights cancelled uh, across Europe this morning, so... Um, and particularly in uh, Amsterdam, I think, which is where he's flying back into. Yeah, so yeah, ball's absolutely awful, though. Yeah. Um, so, oh yeah, yeah, he's landing in Amsterdam, is he? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, don't make it any worse. Uh, he's in more trouble. Well done, Steve. <laughs> Bring home the mushrooms, Radio Dad. Okay, I'm going to change the subject because I like Steve and I want him on the show. Teddy boy, to how's go it going? <laughs> Bring home the mushrooms with the bacon, lad. Look, right, I don't want to talk about my club without going into another yeah. rant, mate. So I'm happy for Steve right, to mate. talk about what Steve wants to talk about. All right, yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> no, Let's get it out of the way quick and early. You were the first game on the Friday night. Sunderland yes. hosting Hull City. Uh, going down 1-0 to to Fabio Carvalho, uh, who scored in the 71st minute. The stats read like this, which is going to be interesting to you. Uh, Sunderland having 15 shots to Hull City's two. Three of those shots on target for Sunderland to Hull City's two. So two shots and two shots on targets with one goal for Hull City. The possession was 58% uh, to Sunderland to 42% Hull I mean, it just reads like a Sunderland domination, but it was anything but. I mean, I got to sit down and watch it on the Friday, uh, Saturday morning, my time. It was a bit of a boring old game, I must add, but uh, I still felt like you had enough possession, enough shots on there to cause some damage, but you just couldn't bring home the bacon like Radio Dad will. <laughs> or not, as the case may be. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's one thing, right, and I, I think it's I think it's misleading um, stats on there. You, you know, we, we talk about this, this, this lies damn lights and, and statistics 15 yeah. shots is is what it is there was only three of them on target uh, compared to Hull City's two um, so it, it, it wasn't that great possession wise um, where we were dominating games previously we no longer do that we've become stale we've become boring and predictable there's no there's no sort of pace from that midfield area into the final third of the pitch there's, there's no pace at all it's I, I get when it's considered build-up, and I, and I don't mind that, when it's kind of like, right, we're probing for an opening here. What this is, is boring, safe, predictable football. Now, all right, I'll get into it. I'll get into it. There's absolutely no new manager bounce here. There's no signs of improvement since Mowbray left. There's no indication that things are going to get better. In fact, things are only going to get worse. They have got worse and that you can't see any sort of uh, book to that trend. We're only seven games into this new tenure of, of Michael Bales. Seven games in and the fans are already singing you're getting sacked in the morning to our own manager. And then he has the audacity to try and spin that into the fans not being supportive in the players in his post-match interview. I've, I've got what he said here. I'm only a month into the job. It shows the expectation on managers now. I think the fans have to get behind the players on the park because they're a group, a young group, and I don't think they realise the strength of their support that the young, to that young group in there. He's, he's spinning that round and trying to deflect that 
onto the players and trying to spin that criticism of him onto a, onto a group of young lads. We're tired of it already. We're tired of the laboured, monotone excuses from this clown. He must interview like Jordan Belfort from Wolf of Wall Street, but he's got a little ma- football management skills of a peel of Norris from Coronation Street. <laughs> he's absolutely appalling. That's very well done. And this there, is precisely this is that precisely why groups like Red and White Army should come into play. This is where they should be. They should be pushing pitch side aspect of the club when they meet with the owners, rather than just tug the fetlock to use a radio dadism and get all starstruck. <laughs> Nobody from the general fan base, nobody, nobody from the general fan base has has voted for these wasteful clowns to be the voice of us fans. And I'll put a notion forward now that that we create a new fans group. I'm happy to, to, to help whoever needs to do this. I'm happy to pitch in and help set it up that's open to everybody, but specifically, specifically aimed at season ticket holders and or home and away fans to speak for us. They're the real fans. Not the people who sit on local councils and all that sort of rubbish who are just there for, you know, get a couple of autographs and a couple of free tickets. Because right now, Red and White Army, take the red out of it all together. Because you may as well just wave a white flag because there's zero bottle from you whatsoever. The club need to get past this stubbornness as well and appreciate they've just made a massive mistake. Because it's, it's going to become much more than a massive mistake shortly. Michael Graham, who's a, a, a great journalist, he gets a lot of stick for what he writes on, on X, formerly known as Twitter. Tony Mowbray was sacked by Sunderland with 27 points from 19 games. That's a points per game of 1.42. Michael Beale has a points per game of 1.16. So if the current Ugh. boss had started the season and maintained that, we would have been sat in 19th by now. <laughs> I ran a poll online over the weekend asking who, in Sunderland fans' opinions, who's to blame for the negative cloud over us at the moment? Is it the owner? Is it Speakman, the sporting director? Or is it Michael Beale? 23% went with the owner, 27% went with the sporting director, and 50% said the manager. So, look, the, the booze for Michael Beale and, and shouts for him to be sacked against Hull City, that tells you everything you need to know. Because once Sunderland get to that point, and Sunderland fans get to that point, there's absolutely no coming back from this. We all knew this would happen, though. That's the frustrating thing. Ask any fan. Everyone knew this was going to happen. So the board need to accept this huge mistake and get rid. Or the clubs just... Well, they're just not going to be able to come back from this. And they need to stop pulling our, the wool over our eyes with these attendance figures as well, because that's really starting to annoy me. Because <laughs> counting season tickets... Been on that do, well, mate, honestly, the, the counting in attendance... Attendance is literally the people who are there. Not the people who have bought tickets and don't show up. Attendance is yeah. people who are in attendance. Stop counting season ticket holders who don't turn up. There's a reason they don't go when the team's like this. So Sunderland need to make the decision that they know they have to make and crack on and get us out of this. Mm, it's a big, it's a big one, isn't it? I mean, we saw on the weekend. I mean, so Thank just you. just for those talking, about, we'll, we'll talk about those attendances. Sunderland reported that they had forty thousand nine hundred thirty-nine people in attendance on the weekend on Friday night. You could clearly Rubbish. tell if you watched that game. That was no one there. The next closest was. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, who had a 28,853 people in attendance for second. So you're talking about a 12,000 people difference at, at a Friday night game against Hull City. Uh, what's well, worse no for more Sunderland than at the moment? Five at hours, mate. No more than <laughs> 35,000 at hours. I, I don't think so. There, there, there was definitely you know, some empty seats for sure. What's worse for me, Teddy Boy, is looking over 
seeing Birmingham under Mogger. I mean, uh, he's he's the weekend. He's just taken Birmingham. They're beating Stoke City two one. He also beat Hull City, the team you just lost to in the FA Cup. He led yep. them Birmingham to a two one win over them, and they're obviously in his first game. He had a two-all draw with Swansea. So he's two wins and one draw and he's three games in uh, where Bill is not. Uh, it, it just rings, again, like a severe mistake that seems to be continually happening for Sunderland. I mean, we see we even talk about the derby, Steve, and, and yep. seeing the, the bar and everything that went down there. And then you had this meeting with your owner and you've heard nothing from that. It's just, it just seems to be no, constant still, still mistakes. No minutes, still no minutes yeah. posted from that. I mean, is it is it is it a case of is it is it mistakes? Is it is it are you being let down as as a fan base? I mean, is it? I mean, where do you think? Where does the buck stop for you, Ted? It's ultimately look. It it, it, it it's a trickle down effect. It has to be Kira Louis Dreyfus who who appoints people like Speakman. Kira Louis Dreyfus is is maybe kind of a, a victim of this in a way that he um, that he hasn't got the right people around him I don't think Christian Speakman is the right person to have in the club um, he is he's failed he's, 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 he's let down Tony Mowbray to be fair I think Mowbray should have been given more time absolutely um, but once you disagree with the, with, with the status quo and the way they want to, to sort of take the club forward in inverted commas Mowbray voiced his concerns and you know he wanted experience in there he wanted a bit more sort of input on the transfer side of things now the first thing that Beals went and done is is come in and said the same this is this is like this is a matter of days since he turned around and said oh we're fully I'm fully aligned with the ownership and fully aligned with the sporting director as to as the direction of this club and the way they want to take it forward then all of a sudden he's going ah oh, these are too young this guy's an absolute charlatan. I don't know what he says in interviews to get... I mean, now he's had two big jobs in football. He's had the Rangers job and he's had the Sunderland job and I don't know how. And Rangers fans are also backing this up going, well, one, we told you. Two, we, we've got no idea how we got it either. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting it's to see that on the on the on at the end of it. I mean, the end of the game we saw... Uh, the press conference from Michael Beale, Peace post-match thoughts, and the comments under that was absolutely incredible. Uh, obviously, you started it off. It's top of the me for me, Teddy Boy. But uh, just seeing even Rangers fans chip in here. Uh, Stevie Boy, not that you'd be taking too much joy out of Sunderland's demise at the moment. Uh, how did you uh, How did you see uh, the result? Obviously, it's a big one for, for Friday night at the Stadium of Light against Hull City. Uh, Mogger's men had just beaten Hull City 2-1 and Beal couldn't get it done I did say on Friday there'd be two close games I predicted 2-1-1 draws and to be yeah. honest you know I, I wasn't I, you know I wasn't wrong was I really it was I didn't expect Sunderland to capitulate against Hull at home I thought 1-1 wouldn't be a great result Beal out campaign would still be ongoing uh, but Sunderland would get something out of it but I did make a point as well about you know if if it didn't start going the way that Sunderland fans wanted it to go, uh, it was such a cold night in the northeast um, that you know that they'd be sitting on their hands and that you know the cheers would turn to groans and mumbles and groans and Ted agreed with us to be fair on Friday that's yeah. exactly what would happen and yep. um, that that's it it's it's as simple as that and you know it, it's it's such fine lines in in the championship between success and failure and you know it. 
you know a couple of wins gets you back on track um a couple of defeats you know it, it puts you you know puts you on a downer and um you just got to look at what's happening with Mogger, who Sunderland of course dispatched Mogger uh, a few weeks ago and he's gone into Birmingham where Wayne Rooney couldn't buy a win and he's he's setting about the job professionally and what price you know Mogger and Birmingham finishing above Sunderland this season at the moment if, if Beale stays you would imagine it's it, it, it's it's a knock on um, it, it, it's going to happen um, you know you, you always have one team making a late resurgence for the uh, you know for the playoffs could be Birmingham uh, and, and that would be the ultimate that would be the ultimate answer from Tony and Mowbray they'll do it with Pritchard in the ranks as well Steve <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, look, it, you know, it came as no surprise. Um, I was surprised they lost the game. I thought that I thought they would have had enough to draw it, but um, it, yeah, Beale is completely out of his depth. He's like uh, he's like a non-swimmer in the deep end. Um, you know, he's he's flapping around and doesn't know what he's doing. And and it's quite clear to me that, you know, this guy is is, is you know is this job's too big for him. And yeah. that's that's just as a, that's just as a football fan looking at it from the outside looking in, it's um, it, it was never going to be the right appointment. What on earth pushed Sunderland towards appointing Beale? I will never know. I mean, just look at his CV. And I've got to be honest, uh, you know, Ted's you know Ted's view of you know he must interview well. It, it, that's all it can be. But these owners as well, Absolutely, like they're yeah. not they're not um, they're not they're not. They're not rolling in the door. They're not rolling in cash, and you know, compared to some other owners, and this is this is an issue. Everything is everything is done with a financial sign-off. It's not looked at as a football decision. It's looked up. It's looked at as a financial decision. I think with with the owner, and you know, there's a there's a you know, he's young as well. He's inexperienced. The owner, um, and and I just think he's getting so many things wrong now. And I would agree. Um, you know, we have our own problems with our supporters groups. Um, you know, there's there's a divide. Uh, you know, uh, in our support that's been there for many many years now. And unfortunately, when you know it comes to situations like this, a situation where you need to have unity. Um, you know, it, it, it you know it, it suits the ownership. Um, you know when when they can divide and conquer the fans, and that's the problem. They've they've got you know the the Sunderland the Sunderland owners will say, well, we do communicate, we do speak to the fans, and they'll point at the red and white army as the as, as as the people who they speak to and talk to. But you will always get those people on the outside who will go, well, hold on a minute, they don't represent me. And this is the situation that we've got at St James's Park, you know, with the Newcastle United supporters club and the Newcastle United supporters trust. Um, you know, they, they are two completely different organisations, one which the club is dealing with and one that which the club isn't dealing with. Um, who They have spoken to the supporters club, but, you know, primarily they don't have to deal with the supporters trust because uh, they, they have to deal with the supporters trust because that's the Premier League rules. They don't have to deal with the supporters club if they don't want to. It's exactly the same situation. So it doesn't help Sunderland's cause, um, you know, that the fans are split on this. Um, and that's what you need. You need a bit of unification. You need the fans to get together. Um, you know, just heard Ted there say, you know, you start a new group up. Well, yeah, you can do that. Um, but then what happens? You know, do, do the club pay attention to this group? Do they, do they have to? Mm -hmm. do, do, do they entertain them? It's it's so frustrating because it gets you to the point where you're a loyal you're a loyal supporter, you're a loyal fan. You just want something to happen. Um, you want to change something. But um, yeah, there's there's no overnight fix with this. The first thing that Dreyfus has got to do is bin. Beal, and if he doesn't bin Beal, then you know problems are going to mount over the course of the next few weeks. 
Oh, you're coming up quickly to the (laughs) sports headlines uh, at almost 7.30 in the morning. Good morning. Happy Monday. Welcome to Northeast Brecky Show. Uh, Quickly, just before we get to sports headlines, let's just get a quick poll then. Uh, Teddy boy, I know which way you're going to go with this one, but uh, Bill out or in, starting with you, Ted? I'm part of the 95% of Sunderland supporters saying be loud. Stevie? Well, he's got to go. Um, you know, it, it doesn't. It, my opinion doesn't really count in this, but he's got to go, yeah. hasn't he? I mean, it's it's quite obvious. So yeah, Beal has to Beal has to go sooner rather than later. What do you reckon, Daz? Um, well, I've had a really interesting uh, message in WhatsApp uh, coming, which I think is we'll, it Beal? Uh, no, uh, but it, it might it's be his, it okay. might be his mum. Oh, so we'll. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, I tell you what, we'll do it after the sports news. How about okay, that for a bit good. of cliff edge there for you? Um, <laughs> all right, this is the Northeast Forty Breakfast. You can get in touch with us at any point on the WhatsApp or double three or or four three two thousand two, and we'll have more Northeast Forty chat after this. From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stonygate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Back Lane. Steve, Ted, and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast. The red, the tune, and the cat. It is the Northeast Footy Brecky, 7.34 almost. Um, and we mentioned before the break there, I've got a message in from Gary. Uh, who said... Oh, Gary. Uh, morning. Morning, uh, Gary. He said, uh, Ted, you mentioned Mowbray should have been given more time. Surely Beale needs more time, doesn't he? No. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. I'm not I'm not just going to daz you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no... Fair play, Gary. It, uh, it's I, I can see where you're coming from on it, mate. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diss you for having an opinion on it because that's that's what makes yeah. these football shows what they are. Um, but no, Tony Mowbray is an established, experienced manager um, who brought a brand of football. Alex Neil started bringing it. You could argue this this attacking style, but Alex Neil was a bit more of like a, a counter attacking style. Tony Mowbray brought this free flowing. Your high-paced attacking football to Sunderland, absolutely one hundred percent. And you know, Mog has got that experience of being able to take clubs out of this division. He's he's got the track record. Mm. Michael Bale has a track record of taking Rangers to third in a two-horse race. That that's that's what Michael Bale does. Um, he drops clubs in the brown stuff as soon as he gets a sniff of something bigger. And, and he, he takes big clubs into third place who should be... He, he took Rangers to a 72% win record, which in Scotland is about pub league standard. So that's that's why Michael Beale cannot be... We can't afford to give Michael Beale more time because he's literally going to drag the club down to his level, which is about League 1 or League 2 at best. What about Dodds, though? I mean, Dodds is still there in an assistant capacity, and I felt like he was had a... He had, do, he was doing all right. And in, in the shock we had that Mogger was going and Dodds coming in as the interim manager, I actually thought Dodds yeah. was doing okay. Uh, and then he's obviously become the assistant. But it seems to have it seems to be Bill's show now that it seems to be, I don't know, maybe Dodds' um, ideas have been thrown out or? Well, it, it looks like it because um, things have changed. Like I, like I mentioned at the top of the show, the, the pace in, in which the team moves forward now is almost gone. Um, it, it's so laboured. Jack Clark's having to come so much more deeper to try and, and. Obviously, clubs are aware of him now, so they double up on him. 
So when Jack Clark's having to drop deep and then be faced with two players, he's not looking like he can perform the, the ability that we know he can. We're not opening up those areas of the pitch for, for Jack Clark to get into and be yeah. the effective weapon that he is in the championship, undoubtedly. Um, Dodds, for me, when you when you see you know the, those little bits of footage when it goes to the to the bench, it just doesn't look like there's much of a relationship there. I'm, I mean, I might be reading it wrong. I'm I'm just looking at it the way it is. I look at body language. I look at things like that. There's no there's no camaraderie there whatsoever. Um, it, it just. It, it just thinks that, like, sort of, well, we're going to have to follow what he's saying because he is the head coach, and maybe by following him, you know, th- that might be the ticket to getting him out of here quicker. I mean, there's even talk of unrest with players as well with him now. Wow. Um, it's it's literally sinking that far, that fast. But yeah, Gary, um, we can't afford to give this clown any more time, mate. All right, mm, fair enough. Interesting. A couple more messages in. Andy, um, another month, and we'll be way off the playoff places, uh, and our season will be over. Uh, that's his response. And Sean has also been in touch. Uh, morning, Sean. Um, and, he, and, and the thing with Sean's message, it's written in capital letters with five oh, no. angry face emojis. I like oh, Sean. No. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Spiel out and take Speakman oh, wow. with you. Oh, wow. 100%, mate. Yep. I'm all over wow. that one, mate. Yep, yeah, you're a man after my own heart. <laughs> wow, interesting. I, I've got an idea. We could get Brian Blessed in to to wrestle them both yeah. out of the club. <laughs> <laughs> my money's on Blessed. <laughs> Bearing in mind that he wrestled the 48 stone gorilla, which is front page of the Daily Star News. Well, slow news, dear. Slow news. Yeah. Dear. They're very slow. Very slow. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the borough. We've talked about Sunderland, obviously, going down to Hull City. Ted has had one of his ever-epic Ted rants. Very well said as well, Teddy boy. We've had uh, Sunderland and all sorts at the moment. We'll be watching that closely here on the Northeast Breaker Show. So, Middlesbrough drew with Rotherham. Now, on to the next uh, topic. We're going to talk about... No, let's obviously go into it a little bit further because, oh, my goodness. Now, Borough fans, hi. How are you going? I can't stay. Right, right I can't save you um, if you want. I've got. I've just got a, I've got a message in for uh, Radio Dad here. Um, oh, please, please, yeah. please save me because I don't want to talk I will, about I will, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Radio Dad, you're probably sipping some kind of uh, cocktail in Dubai as you um, await uh, your, your last meeting before you head back. But um, I've yep. been sent this exercise for people over 60. Um, oh. Begin by standing on a comfortable surface where you have plenty yes. of room at each side. With a five-pound potato bag in each hand, extend your arms straight out from your sides and hold them there as long as you can. Try to reach a full minute and then relax. So, Dave, I hope you've got that. You might be able to find the equivalent out there. Uh, Each day you'll find you can hold this position a bit longer. After a couple of weeks, Dave, move up to ten-pound potato bags. Then try fifty-pound potato bags. And eventually... Try to get where you can lift a hundred pound potato bags in each hand, Dave, and hold your arms straight for more than a full minute. I'm I'm at this level, Dave. After you feel confident at that level, Dave, you can start putting a potato in each bag. (laughs) There you go, Dave. I knew you'd like that. <laughs> it's great when he can't reply as well, isn't it? Oh, I love it. I oh, love it. <laughs> Radio Dad. Hey, look at him picking on Radio Gold. Radio Gold. 
but yeah, good luck with your potatoes, uh, Radio Dad. It would be a good workout, actually. It sounds sounds smart. Sounds smart. Workout for over sixties as well. What what type of cocktail do you think he drinks? Old fashioned, by the way. Yeah, I think he's an old fashioned. Sex on the beach. I'm Sex on the beach. Absolutely on the beach. not getting involved in this at all. <laughs> <laughs> the mojito. He's, he's a mojito. He looks like the kind of bloke who likes because the green stuff in his glass. He'd be going, yeah, yeah, that's good for me diet. Like that's good for me diet. <laughs> Welcome to the Daz and Ted breakfast, everyone. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be five a day. <laughs> Let's talk Middlesbrough while we've still got a chance and I'm still on the breakfast radio station. <laughs> Middlesbrough drew with Rotherham over the weekend. It was a shocking result in terms of Middlesbrough. Everyone predicting, including a lot of those that would have their ackies on the weekend, that Middlesbrough would have walked this one in. I thought so as well, going for a 3-0 win. A lot of people would have thought that, considering the way Middlesbrough played against Chelsea, the run they've been on. The injuries we've come back, the signings of Finn Azaz and Luke Ayling obviously coming in to help, but... Once again, Rotherham proved to be our arch nemesis uh, and it's playing a style of football that just seems to completely and utterly get us undone. Middlesbrough had 15 shots to Rotherham sticks. Three of those shots on target for Middlesbrough to two shots on target for Rotherham. This is the big one though. 71% possession to Middlesbrough to Rotherham's 29%. We saw in the very first 20 minutes that a Jordan Hugel, a borough lad, a local borough lad, uh, was out for out for blood and taking down Izzy Jones and injuring him uh, to the point we had to be substituted. I did say in my borough headlines, Izzy Jones is now a doubt for Chelsea. So that's a big scare. But Middlesbrough, thankfully, was saved by Marcus Force, a goal. who came in for Izzy Jones in that 21st minute, scoring in the 82nd minute to take at least a point uh, away from a tough Rotherham team. Uh, the big talking point for me, lads, as a Borough fan, obviously trying not to be one-eyed, but I am, uh, is that there was a second goal there for the Borough. It was a Josh Coburn goal that was whipped in uh, from the right-hand side. The linesman was actually struggling to keep up with the players and that down the right-hand side has been whipped in and it unfortunately uh, was ruled offside on closer review and all the photos you'll see on social media, it wasn't offside. Joshy Coburn was well onside uh, and it should have stood it just goes to bigger belief why VAR still can't be in the championship when we see English Premier League teams like Man City who are going to come down soon. Oh, to be seen, to be seen. See what I did there? Uh, so it's uh, it, we need to you know we need to start seeing some 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 obviously some continuation because it obviously looks like Darren Bond and the, the referees uh, they come down and, tr- and manage uh, referee in the championship are just not up to that level without VAR in their back pocket because he was onside and you've cost us another three points against a tough Rotherham outfit. As for me, Rotherham just seemed to be our, our I don't know, just our arch nemesis. They're at the bottom of the, t- the table, they're 19 points. They, you know, they're three wins all season and we just cannot beat them. They beat us on Boxing Day. We've drawn with them now on the weekend back in our own backyard. And it's just their style of football that just seems to get us undone. I don't know if Michael Carrick's just got a way of football that Rotherham have figured it out. But you can see we've got a team that can go and beat Chelsea at home, but we can't seem to put Rotherham away. It was just a frustrating night. Dazzy, I'll start with you. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you did. we didn't do the watch long thanks to my monitor and moving issue, uh, but we will be back for Chelsea. But a frustrating night, obviously, considering where we are in the table and season, uh, that Middlesbrough should have walked away from three points. Yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier in the week. I, I went last weekend to see uh, Rotherham uh, play Stoke at home at the New York Stadium. Um and it was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen. Uh, Rotherham were absolutely awful. Stoke weren't much better. Um, but watching Rotherham, I thought, look, they've got no 
no creativity. Hugo up front is just a bully. Uh, he's not interested in playing football at all, and and he goes and does that assist. Um, but yeah, I was I was convinced after last Saturday. Uh, watching Fulham, uh, watching uh, rather, I'm sorry, uh, the Borough would 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 trounce them. They would certainly uh, not struggle against them like they did. Uh, we did the match day live show on uh, Saturday on the Red, and uh, we spoke to a lot of the fans who were in the Six Medals pub next to the stadium. And there was a real feel-good factor uh, about the Borough fans. They were feeling the same, you know, a lot of 3-0s, 4-0s, etc. Uh, we spoke to some of the Rotherham fans. Uh, they were they were very downbeat about it. They were saying the best we can hope for is coming away with a draw. Uh, but, you know, we fear that Borough will, will take us for all we've got today. Um, and then they go out on the pitch and do that. <sighs> I don't know. I, I just thought... And I know the injury to Izzy Jones will, will have made a difference, um, but I just thought we would have too much for them. I thought we would have... Yes, they came and parked the bus, absolutely, 71% um, possession for us. Yeah, they soaked it all up, uh, but they, we just had nothing, really. Uh, not that flair, not that... Not that, uh, cr- that fight, I didn't feel either, and, and you know, Rotherham... <laughs> Deserve their points, if not the three, uh, because we just, you know, I, I, yep, we should have got that, um, you know, the goal should have counted, the offside goal, absolutely. Um, and there's a whole new debate of uh, VAR and the championship, uh, I think, there to look at. But I, I was just so deeply disappointed, and I think because we'd had that real good week, that feel good factor, um, I think there's a lot of people worrying about tomorrow night now. Yeah, um, it it sort of took the wind out of it, didn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. we go we were going in. If we had walked away, you know, with a three nil, you know, victory like we were talking about, you know, heading to Chelsea after beating them at home, there would have just been this sense of real optimism. Now, obviously, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, we know that's going to be a tough ask. But coming off a back of a win with Rotherham, off beating Chelsea, you know, the signings we've had, it just it would just would have you know it could continue this fret. This breath of fresh air of their injuries returning, new signings coming in, you know, and, and that we could go there and do a real thing. It just sort of took the wind out of me for the weekend. It's it the only way to describe it, um, Daz. And I, I was I was left bitterly disappointed that we couldn't get it done. And it just it does it strikes fear into me. What are we going to be able to up against against Chelsea? You know, with renewed optimism in their own backyard, you know, with a team of millions, you expect Cole Palmer not to miss you know six or seven chances yeah. again. And 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 I, you know, if I can just mention him as well, you know, Finazar's um, mm. Ailing. I thought Ailing did did all right actually, but mm-hmm. um, I was I was disappointed with him again. You know, I uh, like mm-hmm. you, right? We've seen the YouTube videos of him. Uh, yeah. we, you know, he's got an amazing. Sure, he's good on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he he's the two games he's played. I, I just think he's been. He's not up to the pace of it. He's not. Uh, mm. He's he's not with it. And all right, we've got to give people time to adjust and then a new team and a new role. Um, I thought Morgan Rogers was was maybe trying very hard. Um, you know, maybe uh, for the cameras. Yeah, exactly. A little bit, and you know, we uh, we had a we had a message in on uh, Match Day Live on Saturday uh, from Jeff who who said. That the whole Morgan Rogers story was 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 nonsense, um, mm. and it was it was to try and boost up his price for when we do sell him. Which, 
you know, there's, there was there was all that rumor about it. But you know, I, oh. I thought um, he tried uh, he tried very hard, but, but again, just didn't have it. Didn't have that final um, that, that final creative push. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was I was deeply disappointed. I mean, yeah, tomorrow is crucial, and and you know, we talked about this all last week as well. The, the Rotherham game is was the most important game. It was the three points. Yeah. It was to get us yeah. keep us in those playoff positions. Um, now that's over. Now that's done. This next game is is arguably one of the most important games we've run in the last twenty years. Uh, yeah. and we've got Steve, to, I'll, we've got to go down there and sorry, get some. No, I completely agree. Steve, I'll come to you, Middlesbrough. Drawing one or uh, sorry, you some a prediction that you predicted uh, for yeah. both of our games, obviously coming true in the borough side of things. Um as I was saying, and you can hear it in Daz's voice as well, the wind was sort of knocked out of us. It's going to be a tough trip to Stamford Bridge, obviously, this week. It's arguably one of the biggest games we've ever had. Uh, and it's obviously, you know, so close to that, you know, within touching grasp of that final. Um, how do you think, you know, coming off a, a tough one-all draw, that sets us up against Chelsea? I mean, look, we all have bogey teams. Rotherham certainly seems to be Burroughs at the moment. And, you know, when you look at the stats, 70% possession for Middlesbrough, they just couldn't make it work, you know, for you know for them in that game. Um, 15 shots on goal, so they weren't shot shy uh, in the game either. Um, only three on target, which says, you know, Michael Carrick needs to work on that uh, on the training ground. Uh, even corners shows the dominance, 13 corners in the game. Uh, eight fouls apiece is probably the only other stat that stands out. But um, Middlesbrough really should have won that game and they should have won it comfortably. But, you know, it doesn't always work like that when you're playing a team that's battling for its life and, and, and trying its best to stay, you know, in you know in touch with those around them and, and, and try and stay in the league. So it doesn't work out like that. And, and psychologically, are the Middlesbrough players, you know, thinking about the game? Um, tomorrow night are, are they thinking about potentially stepping out at Wembley uh, representing the club you know that's got to come into it you would imagine and you know certainly what nobody wants is is to pick up an injury against Rotherham and miss out on you know one of the biggest days in Middlesbrough's history uh, and you know winning a semi-final and getting through to getting through to a final of the Carabao Cup so that kind of thing I'm afraid whether we like it or not will play on the players minds and that's that's what happens so it came as no surprise to me um to see that result it's why i it's it's why i went with that result i, I did i did have a feeling it would be a tougher game than than everybody else was thinking and it's the way football works unfortunately yeah. but what do you do tomorrow it's a different game altogether um like we say, it's half time. It's even. It's it, it's it's nicely poised for for a great game. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough ask. Chelsea have found some form. Newcastle saw that when when they were knocked out. Um, they've found form in the Premier League, which you know has taken some time, but they seem to be they seem to be getting the message across in in the in the dressing room. Pochettino and co. Um, so yeah, look, it's 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 a tough game. It's a tough game for Borough. The big concern for Middlesbrough fans has got to be that should you lose tomorrow and go out that you have this hangover you know from from these last two results that's the problem how you bounce back how do you bounce back into where uh, you know championship championship football and that's that's where Carrick will show you know his strength and that that's where Carrick will show his you know you know his skills in the dressing room by by 
pulling players out but alternatively it could be the polar opposite Middlesbrough could win and it could be at Wembley and it could kickstart the rest of the season um, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a game um, I'm looking forward to it looking forward to watching it um, but you've just got to you've, you've literally got to you know put that game behind you lads you've just got to put the Rotherham game behind you focus on this Chelsea match and, and uh, you know and, and, and just put your best effort in that's all you can do and I think if Middlesbrough fans see a reaction from um, you know from, from their team against Chelsea and you know th- there'll be no issues but uh, big big game for the guys tomorrow uh, from Middlesbrough um, and yeah just a pity that you know just a pity you didn't bounce you, know, you didn't bounce out of that game um, and, and, and into this one but you know that's football that's what happens Teddy boy uh, even in points now uh, Sunderland in 10th Middlesbrough mm-hmm. in 11th goal difference uh, separating us both on 40 points uh, obviously, a game that we thought we should have won. You've come against Rotherham, though, and know how much they parked the yep. bus. Uh, Jordan Hugel's tactics and stuff like very that. Very frustrating. Yeah, uh, it was a very frustrating game. Um, I guess uh, something that you might have seen coming. Yeah, for me, um, I mean, you, you mentioned kind of Jordan Hugel in the, in the almost like a negative context. That's that's not me having a go at you over it, right? That that's the way fans view it. No, I was. If you had Jordan, yeah, if you had Jordan Hugel in your starting lineup, you win that game. Mm. Because mm. What, what Middlesbrough haven't got, and it's it's a bit of a same, similar situation with us as well. Um, you haven't got that big nasty centre forward that you can bring on on about seventy minutes, and the centre backs look at each other and go, "Oh no, mm. you, you want one of them? You want one of them who? I mean, Michael Carrick is is fast becoming." I would say one of the hottest coaching properties on the market right now. Um, I think he's. I think he's a meticulous organizer. I think you know. <clears throat> excuse me. If you give him that Ipswich squad that's up there, I think he does exactly the same, and, and gets you know really, really kind of good results out of them as well. Put him in any Championship team. Michael Carrick will improve it right now. And what he's got is this nice, nice brand of football. Um, absolutely, it's it's pleasant to watch. I, I don't think Borough are, are, are a boring team to watch by any means, um, but they're lacking physicality, and and there's something to be said for for a bruising six foot plus centre forward to go and bully centre defenders, oh, and, yeah. and that's that that was the difference between you you having that different option and that different thing where you can start and sling big crosses into the box and and beat Rotherham almost at their own game and that that's the difference that's why we as in Sunderland and Middlesbrough that's why we find ourselves in mid-table because the likes of Leicester City can mix it up Leicester City could, you know let's put them back in the Premier League which which they're going to be shortly anyway I I fancy Leicester to give somebody like Fulham a decent mid-table side a game absolutely but I also expect Leicester to be able to mix it up and give Luton Town a game in their own style as well. And yep. that's the difference. That is the difference. Yep. And that's where Middlesbrough is short of right at this moment in time, I think, mate. Because all the possession was there. The shots were your 15 to 6 in terms of shots. Although shots on target, it was 3 to 2. So is it any yep. real surprise that it's a draw? Probably not yeah. in that respect. If you look at a possession, yeah, absolutely. But possession doesn't win your games, mate. Shots on goal does. Yep, no, I completely agree. And I think we, we both agree, Daz, that uh, Emmanuel Latte last injury is hurting the borough. Obviously, yeah. only having one regular striker in Josh Coburn, 19-year-old, 
who's obviously had a few injuries and niggles himself this season, mm-hmm. are, are desperate for another striker. And I can't see how Michael Carrick wouldn't see that or the recruitment team wouldn't see that. Depending on how long Latte Lath is out for, we needed someone we could bring on that was up front and, and, and you know, can, and can just create. You know, we saw Marcus Force obviously coming in, but he's more of that right winger. I'm not sure he's that out-and-out striker. Joshy Coburn, 19, you know, I love the kid, but is he going to carry us to the rest of the season if Latte Lath's got a, you know, significant injury? And what if he gets, you know, injured again, then we're down to no one again. And if we sell Morgan Rogers, who is kind of, can, is, has been kind of filling in in that striker role, but he isn't a striker, he's a midfielder. It just cries that we definitely, definitely need to go and get, you know, get ourselves that big centre forward. We need to cash in. We've signed Luke Ayling, done very well there. Finna Zaz obviously needs some time to settle, but, you know, it, it hasn't proven uh, anything yet. We desperately need to now go in and get a striker uh, that can carry us towards the end of the season to carry these injuries, protect us a bit, and just poke some goals in. Yeah. 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 Uh, John on WhatsApp has been in touch, um, and he's, um, excuse the language here, uh, 35 <laughs> shots, 24 corners, one goal against Rock Bottom Rotherham. It's bloody obvious what we need. A bloody striker. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I I'm, I'm sorry. Agree. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, you're offended. What's <laughs> Did it more professionally oh, than someone else? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I completely agree with you. And you should have seen the WhatsApp messages I was sending around. But yeah, no, I completely. I couldn't agree with you more, mate. I mean, we hope that the Morgan Rogers sale, if it's going to happen, then you know Middlesbrough have their valuation met, and he, you know, he can go to Aston Villa if that's what he wants to do. And you know, all the reports say that that's what he wants. Then good on him. He goes with my blessing. But my goodness me, we need to cash in with that money and get ourselves a decent striker that can carry this team forward because that is what we are missing. We need to have another option. Now, whether it's one or two strikers, you know what I mean? I don't think you can look in and just go and get, you know, another Cameron Arch or anything like that. But I think you can definitely find some players around that would be willing to come to Middlesbrough. Now, they say strikers are in short mention because everyone's going to want to pay a premium and all that sort of stuff. But we need it. If we want anything to do with the rest of this season... We need a striker that can carry the line up front. Now, in terms of what Sunderland are after, I would argue it's probably similar, but we are after that big-bodied striker that can hold the ball up, play in our wingers in Izzy Jones or McGree when he comes back, Finazaz, Sam Greenwood, uh, and feed the ball to them and then run, turn around and run back in and then head in a goal with he's a big Lunken centre forward. That's what we need. That's what Burris style is. That's what we need up front, and that's what Carrick would be looking at, I would hope in this recruitment uh, team windows and these mis- these you know these meetings that he's having at the moment uh, is, is that is that he's you know they're looking for that and you know there's eight days is there nine days left uh, in this transfer yeah. window so there is still a lot of things to play out obviously the Morgan Rogers story is doesn't seem to be going away so there might be some you know some more talk there and you know he's obviously going to be featured you would argue against Chelsea as well because he's just passed that yellow card he wasn't able to play in leg one so he will play in leg two we're not going to go in with a new striker, that's for sure. Is Joshy Coburn going to be fit? Izzy Jones going to be fit? Johnny House? And, you know, again, these injuries start to creep up and we start to question again, where's the Borough squad at? Because, you know, Finnezaz and, and unfortunately Luke Ayling can't play against, you know, Chelsea because of their being cut tight as well. So it's going to be another thin squad to choose from going up to Stamford Bridge. Um, but, you know, I still believe it's a big game. The players know that. And I think, you know, we saw that against Chelsea in the first league of the type of mentality that Borough can bring. Um, and and hopefully, you know, we can still go there and, and, and put on a good performance bar what happened on the weekend because, you know, look, we had just played Rotherham on Boxing Day. We lost that, but we managed to turn it around. And Borough's form at the moment seems to be a bit of a, 
uh, bad game, good game, bad good game, bad game, good game. They seem to be going up and backwards uh, with that one step forward, two steps back even. But Dazzy, as we close in on the news headlines, that is Sunderland Middlesbrough wrapped up. We'll come back after the hour. We've got a lot more to talk about. We've wrapped up this, uh, the weekend results. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, more lighthearted things and we'll get uh, everyone involved right after these news headlines. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the Red Platoon and the Cat. Welcome back to the Northeast Brekkie Show. Happy Monday, listeners across the Northeast. We are tuned in North with North the Gallagher. best Northeast Brekkie Show uh, in, uh, in the absolute world because we've got myself here, the Borough fan, Rye. you got Ted the Mackham, Steve the Geordie, the Toon Lover, and Daz pushing all the buttons behind in studio. Good morning. Uh, hope you Monday. Hope you're all fantastic, safe and well. It is a storm about, so make sure you're being safe. Uh, Radio Dad is currently out of country. Uh, he will be flying back in, storm permitting, over the next few days, and we'll have a lot to talk about with him this week. Big, 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 big week for the Borough, who face Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, hoping to get into their first final since 20 years ago. Uh, can you believe it? 20 years to the date, can we do it, Borough? Hopefully, we'll talk more about that. But in this second half, if you have missed it, you can always catch up on the podcast. If you can't catch us live, always tune in on Spotify or on wherever you get your favourite podcast, because we are there. In this next hour, we're going to cover a fair bit. We're going to talk to Steve because Trippier, his captain, might be off to Bayern Munich. We're going to get Steve's lowdown on that. Kevin Phillips has been appointed the new coach at Hartlepool. Talk to Teddy the Mackham about that, obviously, and get the lads' general feeling about Hartlepool and what an appointment that is. Going to talk to the lads as well about Ivan Tony, who came back, scores, and captains his team all after coming back from a band. Also moving Cheek. the ball as well, moving the ball during that free kick. Ooh, so my we'll heart went a little bit about that. Yeah. So what's he saying? What's I he didn't saying? know what he said either. <laughs> My finger was poised on the button. It's all right. It's in the accent. It's in the accent. Yeah. It's fine. It was cheat. And, cheat. And Omar Barada, uh, the senior Manchester City figure, has been appointed to the Manchester United chief executive. Is it a smart, smart move by Man United to appoint a rival chief executive? Interesting there. All on that and more to come on the next hour of your Northeast Brecky Show. But as always... We need to go to the three teams and find out what's making club headlines from your three Northeast legends. Mackhams and Proud, Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Forget Liz Truss. Michael Beale is now getting the Daily Star treatment when it comes to being pitted against the lettuce as Sunderland supporters showcase their frustration. Back in 2022, the Daily Star challenged Liz Truss to outlast a googly-eyed vegetable as she bid to remain at 10 Downing Street for as long as possible. Now, a Black Cats fan has joked about doing something similar with his beloved club as our form continues to take a nosedive on the pitch. He shared on X, formerly known as Twitter, I'm starting a motion, can Mick Beale outlast this lettuce? Today is day one. My money, of course, is on the cabbage-based contender, and if you're still unclear about that, I mean the lettuce. We'll chart its progress, so we'll keep you up to date on that. 
Birmingham City have made an approach to sign Sunderland attacker Alex Pritchard, according to a source at outlets online. Pritch is out of contract in the summer at Sunderland, and as yet, there's been no offers of, of a new deal. Tony Mowbray is thought to be keen for a reunion, although it appears that the first bid has been turned down. 30-year-old Pritchard has been a strong creative outlet for the Black Cats this season, having notched five assists and one goal across nine starts in the second tier. And finally, as you've been hearing, Sunderland legend Kevin Phillips is ready to embrace the challenge lying ahead of him after accepting an offer to take charge at National League club Hartlepool United. The former Black Cat striker enjoyed a successful maiden venture into management after guiding South Shields to the Northern Premier League title before bringing an end to his 18-month reign at the end of last season. Phillips has been linked with several vacancies in the aftermath of his departure from the first Cloud Arena after being named as a candidate to take over at Solihull Motors, Walsall and Burton Albion. Best of luck, Super Kev. There's your Sunderland headlines. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Happy Monday, you beautiful human beings around the world. Middlesbrough manager Michael Carrick has confirmed he is sweating over the fitness of key duo Johnny Housen and Izzy Jones ahead of our season-defining Carabao Cup semi-final second leg visit to Chelsea. We're hoping to defy the odds and reach Wembley at the expense of Maurizio Pochettino's expensively assembled side. They gave themselves hope, obviously, when we kept a clean sheet at the Riverside and young gun Hayden Hackney scored the only goal in the first leg. Come on, Borough. Middlesbrough are open to selling Rodgers this month, it's been confirmed. But however, we are hopeful that we will not allow Rodgers to leave for less than we feel his valuation, which is believed to be around the 10 million mark. Considering the winger is only six months into his four-year contract that he put to pen in the last summer, it would be outrageously high to take Rodgers off the borough books. Middlesbrough are also apparently monitoring Swindon Town centre-back Harris Mintum. Middlesbrough are in the market for a new defender, most likely due to our number of injuries we've had in the back line. Tommy Smith and Daryl Lenahan both out for the season, and whilst we saw Paddy McNair return on the weekend, he has been injury-plagued. The 20-year-old is a starlet, playing 23 times in all competitions for the League Two side this season, and has seriously impressed. Despite the club being down the 17th in the table, they are just eight points off the playoffs. Middlesbrough remain in 11th, despite their one-all draw with Rotherham on the weekend. On to Chelsea now, one of the biggest games of our season. We are not down. We are not out. We are the borough. Next game, Chelsea, bring it on. That's your headlines. Magpies and Proud. Mags News. Celta Vigo announced on Sunday that they had completed the permanent signing of Newcastle United fullback Javier Manquillo. The 30-year-old Spaniard has agreed a contract until 2025 and is reunited with former Magpies boss Rafa Benitez, who brought him from Atletico Madrid to Tyneside back in 2017. The last of his competitive appearances for Newcastle came last May, since when he has been sidelined with a reported groin problem. His contract at Gallagher was due to expire in the summer. Following the emergence of links between Kieran Trippier and Bayern Munich on Friday, Saturday have produced further media claims regarding the 33-year-old defender. There's agreement from different sources that the Bundesliga side's interest is real and that Newcastle were unwilling to sell when contacted by them. Where things are less clear though is how keen Trippier is on moving to Germany, with the Times asserting that he's prepared to leave St James's Park. Saturday also brought a claim from the Daily Mail that the Atletico Madrid had made an unsuccessful bid to acquire the services of Callum Wilson. Tickets for Newcastle's Premier League visit to the Emirates Stadium on Saturday, February the 24th 
go on sale to season ticket holders today. The initial points requirement has been set at 115 points and the first reduction is 2 o'clock on Tuesday. And Newcastle women faced Nottingham Forest yesterday at home but they lost 2-1 with Georgia Gibson grabbing the consolation goal. That's in Newcastle headlines on Monday morning. And you can get in touch with the North East Footy Breakfast at any time via our WhatsApp or double three or or four three two thousand and two. We'd love to hear from you this morning. We've had uh, quite a few messages in. Uh, Sally, who's in the borough. Uh, just picking up back on what we were talking about just before the news, uh, saying that if Borough don't sign a striker, does this show their lack of ambition this season? I mean, that's uh, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Um, I mean, Sunderland... Make a answer it. Sun- make him answer it. Sunderland signed Beal would show their <laughs> lack of ambition, I suppose you could argue. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what a dig. It's not a dig, I agree. I know you, I know you agree with me. It's not true. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it was a great, it was a great don't, segue. Don't try it? and spin this like Michael Beal, yeah, mate. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> He's built it. He's put spin on it like the great Shane Warne and span it off the pitch, that one. Well done, Daz, but I will answer it. (laughs) It it is a fantastic question, and thanks for getting in touch. I honestly believe Middlesbrough need to sign a striker to show ambition. You're completely and utterly correct. To show that we are up for a fight and that we want to bang in goals. Now, the only thing that I I doubt is that Middlesbrough are going to go and pay overs for a striker they think is not going to be there long term or a great prospect or they're going to get for the right deal. I think Steve Gibson has learned from his mistakes in terms of overpaying for someone in January for someone that might not be there for the long term. We've seen a recruitment style in the summer where we brought in 10 to, it was a 12 players in the end, all under the age of 25, all with long-term contracts, four years or more, uh, all with, you know, a lot of promise in the in you know in their future uh, of, of development. We've got Josh Coburn and Emmanuel Latte-Lath, depending on how long their injuries are, it is adamant that Carrick is adamant that he's not going to sign someone that's going to detriment their progress as well because he really does like those two when they are fit. The problem is, will they remain fit? Will they stay fit? That's the the scary thing we've got as Borough fans. And I honestly believe we need to have a third striker there. But again, who are you going to sign in January? Who are you going to get for a good deal? You know, you're not going to get an up-and-coming promising striker for much less than, I don't know, 5, 10 mil, especially in January. And if they are, you know, what I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have to pay overs for them, and it's gonna have to be someone that the club de- deems surplus at the same at the same time. So it's tough pickings, slim pickings. I think we are ambitious of always, without being silly with our money, if that makes any sense. And I hope that does answer the question. But I completely agree. To show ambition, we need to do definitely sign a striker. Are we feeling a lot more confident about our season this seat and the rest of it if we had another striker in our books? Hmm, you'd have one of ours. <laughs> mm, we, we pass. Thank you. Uh, on to <laughs> on to the next topic, lads. Let's talk. We've talked a lot about Middlesbrough. We've spoken a lot about Sunderland this morning. Uh, and thank you for those Newcastle fans that have probably stuck around. Because we're going to talk about you next. Your little captain, Kieran Trippier, the smallest right back in the world. I'm kidding. He's probably the, he's not probably the smallest. He's about five foot three, I reckon. Uh, a tough little man. Uh, he, it sounds like he's off to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich have uh, looked like they're turning to Kieran Trippier. They have been interested in another right back at PSG, but apparently PSG are not letting uh, Bayern Munich anywhere near him. And they've turned to Newcastle to go for Kieran Trippier. Steve, can Newcastle Hello. afford to lose your captain and right back 
And obviously, I know you have got a young Liveramento. Would he be your natural replacement, ready to step up if Kieran does decide to leave? Yeah, of course, Liveramento would be an able, uh, you know, replacement. I mean, he's been billed as that. And, you know, the performances we've seen from him this season have been, you know, sublime and ridiculous for somebody of his age who's just come back from the injury that he has. Um, but with regards to Kieran Trippier, uh, you know, is this is this story going to build momentum over the course of the next, you know, nine or ten days? Um, I, I've seen mixed reports. Uh, he has been abroad. Um, he, you know, whether he's been to speak to Bayern Munich, we don't know. We haven't had mm-hmm. official confirmation yet. Uh, very little seems to be coming out of St James's Park. But you would imagine that. Um, Newcastle would certainly consider it in you know despite it being January the worst window I feel to lose your captain and and, and to lose somebody as inspirational as Trippier somebody who has, yep. has got the most assists in the Premier League um, with the exception of one other player I think and that's from fullback um, it, it seems it seems strange that they would even consider doing it but he is 33 he's 34 this year um, he's coming towards the end of his contract um, how how much longer can he go on I think we've seen you know in, in recent games he's forms dipped to the point where you know some key games he's given away the ball and, and goals have been conceded through his errors um, you know would I consider selling him in January I would say no I would rather sell him if we're going to sell him in the summer uh, so we can so we can make plans accordingly um, I understand of course the financial fair play issues that Newcastle are under covered it last yep. week Darren Eels has spoken about it Eddie Howe spoke about it at his last press conference um, Newcastle of course selling somebody like Kieran Trippier for 10, 15 or 20 million um, you know would make back you know treble that and, and, and that gives them the opportunity to go out and spend money on a on a player in this window that, that, that they might need um, but with a, with the, an injury list that we've had which has been nothing short of ludicrous 11 or 12 players for the last you know three or four months constantly on the injury list it, it's tempting fate for me to you know it, it, it's almost hitting the self-destruct button on our season and then to see mm. that Callum Wilson um, is then subject to uh, you know a, a loan inquiry last yeah, you know, last week by Atletico Madrid. Um, I've I've seen a mixed bag of opinions on that as well, and 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 you know from from my perspective, why on earth would Newcastle, who are short of a striker to start with, yeah. suddenly decide to sell the one person who is you know uh, along with Isaac is capable of putting the ball in the back of the net? And people are going, yeah, yeah, but he's always injured. How many games he's going to play? But yeah, but if he does play. Let's say six, seven games before the end of the season. I will put. I'll put money on the fact that he will score at least one or two match winners in that, which will be, you know, could be vital as to where Newcastle finish in the league. So, you know, lots of rumours, lots of flying round. It started at the weekend yeah. with the story about Joe Linton. Joe Linton's contract's coming to an end. He's, you know, you know, he, he can't be continued to pay this amount. It'll make him the highest paid player at the club. Um, you know, his representatives are looking for clarity, etc. It started with that on Friday, and it just got progressively worse over the weekend and Twitter considering you know Newcastle didn't have a game when it, where it was an absolute meltdown people arguing shouting and bawling and, and when you stand back when you stand back and look at it you think was Darren Eels playing a game here was he was he you know was he was he just trying to was he asked to light the blue touch paper I mean 
I, I hammered Darren Eels, um, you know, not in a polite way on, on Friday night uh, on my show and just said, look, you know, I think what you've done has been, uh, been ill-thought out, but has this been part of a plan by Newcastle to, to almost try and draw people out to see what's available, to see who'd be interested in what players? Maybe it's been part of a, maybe it's been part of a cunning plan and, and that's that's the reason that they've done it. But who, you know, who knows? Um do I think by the end of this transfer window we will have lost Kieran Trippier? I think it's a possibility. Do I think we'll have lost Wilson? Mm. I think that's not going to happen at all. Um, we've got nine fullbacks. We're not struggling for the fullback area. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it would take it would take you know it would take a monumental crash you know at, at training uh, for all of these players to suddenly drop down and not be able to play right back. So you know I, I genuinely don't see. Trippier leaving on that score as as a big as a big negative, but it's you know it, it would be a shock, and we've got to accept we are going to lose players. You know we don't we're not living in this bubble where this team has been so great over two years that we're going to keep them for the rest of our footballing supporting lives. Um, it's just yeah, you know, it's it just come as a bit of a shock and it came out of nowhere, and I think that's why it's been a you know it's a bit of bit of a shock. But there's no doubt about it. If Trippier does go, um, you know he's been. Every bit as important as Brian Kilclain was uh, when Keegan came in the 90s. You know, he's been inspirational on and off the pitch. He's helped Newcastle United, you know, stay up. He's helped Newcastle United get to a cup final. He's helped Newcastle United, um, you know, get to you know get to the Champions League. Um, you know, he goes with our blessing if he if he does go. And um, lots of lots of stuff going out there. There's you know, you know, advice you can give to Newcastle fans is don't believe you read you know everything you read on you know WhatsApp or the or the internet because there's a lot of stuff flying. Around at the minute about you know personal circumstances which may have led to Kieran Trippier you know leaving the club. Um, you know we haven't heard anything official, so it's it's pointless speculating. It's pointless sharing those kind of messages because we we just genuinely don't know what is you know what what you know what is behind this. It could just be as simple as Newcastle United want to sell uh, to, to 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 earn some money in the FFP world to be able to go and buy. Um, so we will watch with interest. It's uh, a boring transfer window, is what I called it last week. Well, it's far from that now because of all the rumours and speculation <laughs> that's lying around. Up. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It is starting to heat up, that's for sure. Teddy Boy, uh, you're buying Munich. How much are you paying for a young Kieran Trippier uh, from Newcastle, <laughs> their captain? Uh, what's he worth? Oh, it's a tough one to, to, to really try and judge that. He's Look, he's, he's a quality player on his day. He's, he's obviously had that suffering of, uh, of a dip in form. Uh, and it's it's a bit of a prolonged dip in form, and I, I don't think a, a three nil win against the Championship side can kind of put any gloss on that in any way, shape, or form. Um, as as Steve's pointed out as well, you would expect more from him in terms of assists. You'd probably expect one or two free kicks hitting the top corner, um, but it ain't happening. Um, he's thirty three, like we've said, so he's he's now in the kind of you know the twilight of his career. He's maybe he's got a couple of years left tops. At, at any decent level, um, although the the German game is a lot slower, so he, he may it may suit him a little better than I would have thought. Look, I'm, rather than put a valuation on him, I think what it does is it it, it helps Bayern Munich. That that's that's a spot they need to fill. I think it helps Newcastle massively as well because he, he's not on insignificant wages. I, I would imagine at the club, Steve. Um, mm. So what that does is it helps free things up. This could be the catalyst that actually helps get like a, a Calvin Phillips deal over the line, and getting somebody like Trippier off the wage bill, thirty-three on big wages, 
Cut your losses, uh, you know, if you can get a, a few million in for them, selling them at this time of year, you're always going to get more in January than you are in summer anyway. So, it, it, yes, he's a captain, but they've got they've got players there who can take that mantle on until the end of the season. Um, I don't think Trippier, as a player, is going to make an awful lot of difference on the run-in to try and get into this these European spaces for, uh, for Newcastle United. So, yeah... I think it's all in all, it's probably a good deal for Newcastle United if if he does go and you get him off the wage bill, free some money up, and then then chase some targets down. I think Livermento, what I've seen of him, suggests to me that um, that that kid's got an absolutely huge uh, future in football and at Newcastle United. He's a he's an exciting talent, and I think yeah, why not give him the chance to step up. Well, I don't know what Bayern Munich are pulling at here, but signing Harry Kane, Eric Dyer, and then Kieran Trippier, I don't know if you want to be England or you're going to get Southgate next or uh, if, if you're lining up, you know, Callum Wilson as well. If you want the England team, Bayern Munich, then, you you know, obviously you can just go and buy them. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe take Southgate with you as well while you're at it. You know, the, you know I don't know. There's, there's plenty of others. Uh, there's plenty of others. Uh, from the England squad that I'm sure we would allow you to have as well, Bayern Munich. So Bayern Munich, a.k.a. England number two, uh, are on the revolution here, and it's an English revolution bringing uh, arguably three close friends together here, Dazzy boy. Yeah. Kieran Trippier to Bayern Munich, do you? Does it make sense? It, it does for me, uh, and it does for one reason that Ted's just said, Livermento. I think he's a real talent, and, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Trippier. I think he's a great player. Um, but I think this is the time to cash in. You've got Livramento sitting behind him, uh, raring to go, and we've seen flashes of him this season, haven't we, so to speak, um, where he's come on and, and you know played on the right um, and you know had an impact. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think Steve, I think cash him in, you know, and, and if this gets the Calvin Phillips deal over the line. Um, or or another deal over the line that's that's going to help because of FFP, then then I think do it now. Um, yeah, I, it would be sad to see him go, but you know I, I I think he might have a couple of more, even you know he may get a couple of more another year out of his career um, if he does go there, which you know it's, it's got to be beneficial to him. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a slower is, pace. I, I yeah, think for yeah, him, it does yeah. it, it, it suits him? It, it prolongs. It might be you know instead of having one more year in in top flight football, this could increase to two, two and a half, yeah. maybe even three years playing in the in the Bundesliga, where it is more technical and less pacey. Yeah, Spurs reunion as well, isn't it? Really for him, yeah. oh, Dyer and uh, Harry wrong. Kane. They got beat yesterday Not as wrong. well against Werder Bremer. Did they? Yeah, no, they one nil. Yep, they definitely. Yep, they um, they they. I don't know what they're doing, but they've got some sort of revolution or, re, you know, reunited prom sort of school of twenty twenty sort of come together again or something like that. I don't know what it is, but it is interesting to see. Oh, did Steve, they go to prom? I, the did lads, they go to the same school? Like they might have. Imagine that. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Steve, the lads have put it obviously, and they're talking a lot about the Calvin Phillips deal. It, can I put it to you, mate? If you had to choose, you can only choose one: Kieran Trippier or Calvin Phillips. Which one you taking? Oh, he's gone quiet. Mm. Has this ever been known before? Great question. It, 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 it is. Really. Like he's hit him with some, with some outstanding journalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with. I'll, I'd stick with the tried and tested. I would stick with. I would stick with Trippier, but because. Right. 
Phillips has messed us around, and Man City have messed us mm. around, and it just feels like, you know, you know, it, unless Trippier wanted to go, and then you've got a player who doesn't want to be at St James's Park anymore, he's he's got his heart set on a move for whatever reason, then you know we would, you know, you, you don't want an unhappy player at the club. You wish him all the best and you let him go. But if Trips wants to stay and Newcastle want to keep him, um, then I would do that because you know Trippier's Trippier's worth his weight in in gold. So yeah, I would keep Trippier, but. You know, we need we need we need something in the midfield. We need, we've only got we've only got Joe White, Lewis Miley, and Bruno, and Bruno <laughs> is a couple of bookings away from a suspension. So yeah, mm. we've got players coming back. We've got Harvey Barnes, Jacob Murphy, uh, Joe Willock, all set to return in the next three weeks. Um, things are looking a bit brighter on the injury front, but um, uh, you know, Calvin Phillips, yeah, it's not the be all and end all. I would keep uh, I'd keep trips me until at least the summer, and if he's got to go on a free in the summer, let him go with our blessing. Well, there you go, Kieran. I know you're an avid listener, mate. You're wanted at Newcastle by our regular Steve Wraith. Uh, so you have to stick around now, mate. And if you can WhatsApp in uh, and let us know that you are staying or going, give us the inside scoop. That'd be great. But it is time for your sports headlines here. It is 8.30 a.m. Monday morning, Northeast Breakfast Show. Lots of fun and games coming up right after this. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink. The Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. And you can get in touch with the Northeast Footy Brekkie at any time via our WhatsApp. We'd love to hear from you. Audible 3 or 043 2002. Our friend Jack has been in touch this morning, gents. Um, morning, Jack. Good morning, oh, lads. Jackie. Hope you're all good and hope you're all had a great weekend. Uh, he said the borough were just saving themselves for Tuesday night, where we will win <laughs> two nil. Uh, I love Jack's optimism, um, and uh, he's also made a point here. Ted uh, for Sunderland, he said, uh, "How Ooh. about uh, Sunderland need Rooney?" <laughs> <laughs> He's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. I'm not even going to grace that one. I, I love you, Jack. You know that. You're one of my favourite Borough people, but no, absolutely not. No, no, no. Imagine no, the announcement. Imagine that. Wowie, wowie! What a scary time that would be. Welcome back to the Northeast Breakfast Show. You're here with Riot, Ted, Steve, and Daz behind the wheel. We are talking Northeast only. We are talking our favourite football teams. But for the last half hour, we're going to have some fun. We're going to take the, the the shackles off of the tough questioning. We're going to we're going to relax a bit. We're going to have a laugh at other clubs now because uh, Ivan Tony's back, ladies and gentlemen. Ivan Tony came oh, back. Yeah. Cheat, uh, cheat. He has scored. Not only has he also cheat. captained his team, he scored after moving the ball from a free kick. Uh, and has managed to get a uh, a, a goal uh, on his return game. Eve, uh, I'll start with you because you seem to have a bit of a cough in there in the back of your throat. <laughs> uh, Tony, um, for me, the, the weirdest thing for me is, I don't, I don't know how to phrase this. So, um, I, I like that I'm, I'm full for you pay your dues and you, you, do your, you do the crime, you pay your time, and then you're a free man, you know, it was bygones be bygones. But... In the footballing world, to see someone who's been done for betting, been banned, and then comes back in his very first game and captains you, if I'm a young kid, I don't know if that's the type of role model that I want leading me out of that tunnel, slash 
then obviously moving the ball and scoring a winner. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if you're a Brentford fan, but from the outside looking in, it just, I don't know, it just it didn't sit well with me. Yeah, it sent all the wrong messages out for me. I don't think he should have captained the team. I can understand why Brentford did. He was kissing the badge and he's, you know, you know, messaging, you know, uh, messaging the fans, waving at the fans and, you know, kissing the badge. It was just, uh, you expected all of that from Tony. Um, but it was the the fact that he moved the he moved the ball and he moved everything to to, to gain an advantage in the, the referee spread, and, yeah. the, and the spreader. I mean, how mm. nerdy, is it party string they use now? Like, I mean, it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought whatever happened, whatever happened to this foam that disappeared? I thought it was like shaving foam or something they used to put down to put this. That's so anyway, he, moves, was, yeah. he moves the line and then he moves the ball and like the, the, referee, the referee says nothing. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, the opposition players deserve everything they get for not even complaining about it. And what was that wall, by the way? Uh, you know, there was a, this huge gap in the middle of it. You could tell Oz, Neville and uh, Bomber hadn't built that. It was, it was <laughs> absolutely oh, yes. a tr- Absolutely what a reference atro- that is. Brilliant. Absolutely atrocious. Good morning absolutely. to the millennials. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It was it was it just annoyed us and I just thought, well that's just ridiculous. And I and I, I did tune in to match of the day to make sure that Alan picked them up on it. And of course he goes he, he defended him, didn't he? He defended him. It's like, you know, you'll take you'll take any advantage you can to get, you know, to get your goal kind of thing. But yeah, I agree with you, Rai. I just think I think giving him the captaincy sent out the wrong messages, you know, basically just said, you know, if you if, if you do this and you get suspended for, for however, long, however long you do, don't worry, the club will still back you um, just because you've stayed with us. It just sent out the wrong message for me and the fact that he cheated to score his goal summed it up as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's, he's got his goal. He'll be, he'll be, you know, he'll have been a happy man uh, that night and Stormzy sitting in the crowd watching him, um, you know, and, and, and cheering him on. But, uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, left a left a left a sour taste in the mouth for me. Well, by all accounts, yeah, Nottingham Forest um, have written to the PGMOL for clarity over his mm. uh, free kick. Do you do you think there should be a should should the um, um, Premier League look at that? Because what what sort I mean, of message is that sending out? I mean, they can't. It's you know, it's the full whistle, isn't it? I mean, it is. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, y- I mean, we've seen it happen before, where you know stuff's been happening retrospectively, and you know if it's sportsmanship or something along those lines, mm-hmm. um, you know Steve is right; stress. he's cheated there. And I know yeah. we, we see diving and you know other forms of gamesmanship and all sorts of things going on. Um, and <laughs> yeah, Alan Shearer defending that. Um, but what does that say to, to kids who are watching uh, playing football? You know. It's all right, even if you've 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 come back after this long ban for for you know for for doing what you did. Um, we'll give you the captain's ban and we'll let you cheat again. Yeah. Um, exactly. It's just a bit of a sour taste for me. No, I completely. I'm just agree. watching it again. Actually, it's actually on TV as I'm watching it now. I've got Sky yeah. on in the background, and and. and I, it's quite weird because he moves a little bit of that whatever it is that the referee yeah, uses the to mark the line he moves a tiny little bit of it Gillette but whoever, whoever <laughs> the best the man can get uh, <laughs> other products are available the 22 the, who, whoever number 22 is for Forrest is quite clearly telling the goalkeeper what is happening here and he's going he's telling the goalkeeper what is happening and and the goalkeeper has just not organised his wall accordingly and that's why that 22 is out of position because he's clearly not happy with the way that the wall's being positioned he can see what's going on in front of him so one player was on the ball whoever that was uh, but yeah it's just 
Uh, it's embarrassing. He's gained he's gained an unfair advantage. Nothing will happen. Nothing will happen with that at all. I can't nah, see anything happening with it unless the Premier League want to make an example of Tony again. Um, but mm. I, I very much doubt it. <laughs> I very I very much doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's you know it just opens that bigger can of worms, Teddy boy. Uh, we obviously <laughs> are in greens. That's the one for me that the, the captain's armband was a bit of a. It just didn't sit right with me. Obviously, a man that's coming back from a ban. I great. I, I love that he's done his time, you know, for the crime that he yep. did. But coming back, wearing the captain's armband, moving the ball, you know, you got young kids in that crowd. I mean, I can't imagine being a, you know, a, having been there with my a young fella saying, you know, well, why does he move the ball, dad, or whatever? And you got to, you know, what? Well, you know, it's, it's just out of all of that, out of all that, that still wasn't the cringiest thing of that whole game, because the walkout. The WWE <laughs> style walkout to Ivan Tony's return, where it was they were playing the music from The Undertaker, the, the famous wrestler now retired. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. you've never said. I've, I've just sent you the I'll link. Have in, in I'll the have chat to rewatch there. it. Please watch yeah, that because link. honestly, my my toes are now sort of curled midway up the underside of my feet. That actually make the curling that much with the cringe of this. It's absolutely awful. Brentford's had an absolute mare. And uh, the funniest thing now is if he slaps down a transfer request and goes, I want to be gone by the end of January, <laughs> by the way, lads. It could it's, happen. It's like, it could well happen. It's like, we're not, we know you cheated, but... Uh, right, we'll give you the captain's armband. Uh, we'll play some special music for you. We'll, we'll make you out like you're a Hollywood star. I mean, like... It, if they hadn't have got him, you know, they may have even got him onto a wrestling ring and maybe give him a clothes line on the referee just to give it, just just mm. to completely finish the whole spectacle off. It's it's cringeworthy. <laughs> it's absolutely awful to watch. It's. Uh, well, I go. mean, the, obviously Brentford's not the biggest of stadiums anyway, no, and the fact that not. they've tried to turn it into this like sort of I don't know, <laughs> like the thing like there's some sort of South American club, you know, it's, and it's 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 not they're not even a big South London club, <laughs> like it's just it was it's a bit, horrible. It was just cringe, it's absolutely it? It was cringe, cringe, lads. Go go and watch it because of everything else that happened in that game. That was actually the worst thing about it was that was the whole walkout. It's comical. Indeed. Yeah, look, well, Ivan, uh, just so I know you're an avid listener, like your mate Kieran Trippier, uh, well, you're not welcome. Uh, we don't, we didn't think it was right. Uh, and if you want to move the ball, go and do it in your own time, not on the pitch, please. Uh, <laughs> on to the next one, lads. We've got to talk about uh, Kevin Phillips. A little, I like this one. Kevin Phillips yeah. has now become the manager of Hartlepool. Uh, in a, an amazing turn of events, Hartlepool, who have uh, just recently coming back off the sacking of John Askey, they had Lenny Lawrence, the legend uh, if you yeah. will, taking as a caretaker, but they've now appointed Kevin Phillips, the ex Mackham. We got to call him. He was a he was a player of many players at, at teams, and you know a few teams will claim that he is. But I have to say, two hundred eight games for Sunderland has to make him a, a Mackham at heart. Uh, excellent goal striker in his day, an amazing player that I used to watch as well growing up. I remember him playing for Sunderland, but I also remember him more likely probably at West Brom. I think for me in that two thousand and sixish era. Uh, was when I saw first came to you know to really seeing what Kevin Phillips was about. Well, he's now the manager slash head coach of Hartlepool lads. He's part of the Northeast. He's taken over. He is going to be working with Lenny Lawrence uh, in cohesion here. Hartlepool obviously haven't had the greatest of runs since dropping down and being um, relegated. They're obviously still trying to discuss the sale of their club at the moment as well. Uh, so there is a lot of unrest there. But I think for me, Teddy boy, Kevin Phillips. Great appointment. 
I, th- I think it is for Hartlepool that um, Kevin Phillips is Kevin Phillips is one of these players who is doing it the right way in the management and by that I mean he's, he's spent time as an assistant uh, he's, he's done some coaching um, at, at various clubs some championship clubs uh, he was involved in Premier League coaching as well he's come back to the North East he had a very successful stint at South Shields um, you know trophy winners there good cup runs all that kind of thing really put South Shields uh, helped put South Shields on the map obviously all what wasn't all just him but he's cutting his teeth at management and I, th- I think the Hartlepool gig that shows you that you know for all he's, he's one of the higher profile names in terms of you know punditry and things like that he's been there and done it as a player he's still I think the only Englishman to win the golden boot uh, the European one is that right Steve I think yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you are right, um, though. Yeah. So in, t- in terms of pedigree, he's he's right up there. So to take over at Hartlepool and like something to make that step up um, and, and, and go into national league management, I think it's a great move for him. I'm certainly great for Hartlepool as well. He'll use that relationship that he's got with Sunderland. Obviously, you know, I know a lot of our young players are obviously playing first team football, but but to be able to sort of dip into that that pool of players that are just underneath that. And be able to kind of use them to, to Hartlepool's advantage as well. So some talented kids coming through without a shadow of a doubt, um, and get them used to playing physical brands of football as well. I, th- I think Super Kev is actually kind of he's on track to be an old school style manager. Um, he's he seems to be very popular with players wherever he goes. Um, nobody seems to have a bad word about his his coaching and management technique. Um, so who knows I mean you know right now Hartlepool I think learned obviously with Lenny Lawrence as well as much as Lenny's in his advanced years now what a great guy to actually go and get some some insight from and you know the day to day side of being a league manager Lenny's been there and done it you know maybe not in terms of amassing a hall of trophies and things like that but a guy who's who's just got on with the job and, and, and produced good standards of football, good standards of players. So, for for Kev to actually learn from somebody like that as well, and have him at his disposal, that that's that's just having like a library full of football knowledge at, at your fingertips, really. So yeah, I think brilliant move for Hartlepool. Um, good move for everyone all round. I think this one, lads. Mm-hmm. Steve, are you in coherence with Teddy's thoughts? I I actually think it's a great appointment for Hartlepool. Yeah, it's a good appointment. Um, look, he's he's doing things the right way, isn't he? Kevin Phillips, he's he's getting himself uh, a jobs at the lower level, and he's worked his way up from you know South Shields, where he did a decent job, um, you know, to, to Hartlepool now, um, working his way up the you know the proverbial football ladder. So yeah, I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm not uh, I'm not adverse to seeing players you know who want to become managers do it that way, and I think um, done a, you know he's done a good job so far. This is a big test for him. Um, Hartlepool, of course, don't have, you know, the you know the the big finances that you know teams higher up the pyramid have. So this really is a big big test for uh, for Kevin Phillips. But um, yeah, I, I think he'll do. I think he'll do okay. I think he'll do well. I think. Um, I don't think. I don't think. Put it this way. I don't think Hartlepool are going to be challenging for league titles anytime soon. But I do think that you know this is the right move for him, and it's the right move for Hartlepool. It'll be interesting to see how things progress. Uh, certainly be you know certainly be watching it with with interest. And, and um, yeah, I 
wish him all the best. He's I've met him a couple of times. Um, he is a, he is a nice guy. Um, you know, and uh, you know a, a football man. So uh, good luck to them. Good luck to Hartlepool. Got a little soft spot for Hartlepool. I've got to be perfectly honest. Um, and uh, big shout out to Joe Allen as well, who uh, hasn't had uh, the best of the best of years. It has to be said in the last twelve months. And uh, Joe, of course, a big Hartlepool legend. Street named after yeah. him uh, down there as well. Yeah. Uh, good luck with your recovery uh, to Joe. Yeah, big shout out. Daz, I think for Hartlepool, this is an amazing appointment. Obviously, Jeff Stelling would be absolutely chomping at the bit with this one. Uh, Kevin Phillips, for me, not only a, a, a good name in football, he's been there, done that. He's played a lot of football. He knows what he's talking about. He's a young and up-and-coming manager in terms of the manager career, obviously, after return, retiring as a great footballer. I think it's a great appointment. Now, the, the the thing that scares me still is the Raj Singh ownership and where that's heading. Obviously, there's still yeah. a lot to play out there. But in terms of on the pitch, Lenny Lawrence, Kevin Phillips. You, I mean, if I'm a young player looking up at Kevin Phillips and Lenny Lawrence standing there, I tell you what, I'm, pl- I'm running through a brick wall. Yeah, and I'm listening. I think the thing for me is I've got to give to him his respect because uh, he's doing it the right way. He's working his way up through the leagues he's not using his name to get you know a, a job uh, and which find, he could yeah, he could yeah absolutely I'm sure he could um, mm. but how you know we've seen this too many times recently haven't we over the last few years uh, players coming in using their name to think you know they can get them further up the league than they can yep. without doing what he's doing you know getting down there getting the nitty gritty of what football's about and learning about man management you know, Lenny Lawrence, uh, um, you know, great man manager, um, you know, learning from yes. one of the best there with him, he, he will do it hardly. But, but yeah, I've got respect for, for uh, Kevin Phillips. You know, I, I was, a, a, despite him playing for the, uh, the Mackhams out, you know, I was, he was a great player. You know, he was exciting to watch. I wanted to see him. Um, and I'm, I'd, I've just got respect for the guy for doing what he's doing. Yep, no, I completely agree. And I think it's a great appointment and well done. Uh, to Hartlepool, even though with the stuff happening off the field, to get a man like Kevin Phillips in the door is a massive, massive recruitment. And, you know, we want to see them bouncing back up because we want to see more Northeast teams, you know, in the big leagues. So we wish you all the best, Kevin, and uh, maybe we can get you on the show one day to have a chat uh, because I'm sure you would love to chat to me, the loud Aussie. Uh, We're going to talk to about Omar Barada, lads, and I hope I've pronounced that and done it justice. I know I have because I am very, very good at pronunciations, and I like how I rolled the tongues even though I I don't need to. But Omar Barada, the senior Manchester City figure, has been appointed, sorry, the Manchester United chief executive. Uh, I just want to know from the boys if it's a smart uh, smart recruitment or, you know, smart move to, to, and I'll start with you, Stevie boy, smart move to appoint a rival chief executive. Obviously, Man United in a lot of trouble. They're starting to try and clean it up off the pitch, firstly, by getting Omar Barada. He is a very, very liked player, a person, sorry, around Man City. Apparently, he's been touted with a lot of success on the field as down and under Omar but to cross over from Manchester to City to, to Man United, I mean, if a player does it, it's shockwaves. Is it okay if someone in the back room does it? Well, let, let's face it, it's it's putting an end to the Dan Ashworth stories, I think, you know, that have been circulating for, for the last few months. Um, you know, Dan Ashworth, of course, linked with a, a move to Manchester United. Um, uh, you know, it's not, not very often you hear of people behind the scenes moving from, you know, club rivals. You often hear it about players, but... Um, Oh, it happens all the time. Um, you know, player. You know, we had David Stonehouse who who did remarkably well at Sunderland, 
although a Newcastle fan who then eventually came you know, and, and, and plied his trade at St James's Park as the chief executive. So it does happen. Um, it's it's only business, I guess, and, and that's the way. Yeah. And it, but it just tends to make less of a ripple, um, you know. In, in so you know, social media and stuff might pick up on it, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I I don't think it's a major. I don't think it's a major uh, an issue, a major talking point, as far as you know, as far as the clubs are concerned. Um, interesting to see, you know, how he does, Willie. You know how he how he progresses there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Manchester United progress because I still think this is all a little bit too. Um, you know, it, it it's a little bit you know too driven towards the Glazers. I, I, you know, I know Manchester United fans believe that this is going to be some kind of you know you know euphoria for them, and they're gonna they're gonna have a big turnaround. But I I just genuinely don't see it, guys. I I think that the Glazers are. The Glazers are massively in control of the club still. They're still the majority shareholders, and I just don't. I, I just don't see. You know, I don't see Ineos and and Sir Jim Ratcliffe having as much uh, as much say as they they wanted to say. And I think um, I think time will tell. Of course, I could be completely wrong, uh, but I, I just do feel that it's not going to be as it's not going to be plain sailing for for Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Um, maybe he should have read the small print. That's that's my view. <laughs> Teddy Boy, obviously seeing a backroom chief executive leave Man City and then be appointed the CEO of Man United. Doesn't seem to send as many shockwaves as if it was to be Kevin De Bruyne signing for Man United in the January no, transfer window. Uh, but uh, exactly. It's it, it still, for me, it, it just it just rings how, you know, I guess that Man City have been doing so well. Man United want a taste of that. And now they've gone and gotten, you know, their brand new CEO, which is the Man City well, yeah, it, it's like Steve says, though. It's it's all well and good. I mean, this guy obviously is is responsible for a, a, a portion of success at Manchester City in terms of as a business, but that's only going to be any good to Man United if he's allowed to do his job. And ultimately, as much as you know, as much as this new sort of influx of money has come in, it's still the Glazers who are going to kind of pull the purse strings and and, and dictate. The, the state of play, I guess, in, in terms of what happens on a business level. So you can have whoever you like. It's kind of, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to make an absolutely awful comparison here. It's like <laughs> us going out and signing Kiefer Moore, but that's going to be pointless But because we've got a clown in charge who's taking the club backwards. <laughs> um, and the Glazers, the Glazers are, taking, are taking Manchester United backwards. They have been for years. And the other thing, even if this guy is, even if he's allowed to crack on with his job, what is it, uh, chief football operations officer, something like that? Now, he's still got an awful lot of mess to sort out at Manchester United because things are a mess there. It's not the club that it was. You know, you only have to look at the league table to see that, and they are not bothering the uh, the title chasers right now. And I, I would guess that a minimum of five years is needed to turn them into a, a team that's going to contend again at, at that end, maybe even longer. You know, you're talking about Manchester United where you're thinking, right, well, Man United's probably going to win the title and they're going to be chasing you know, the, the Champions League trophy at the end of the season. That's the Manchester United I'm used to seeing. And this guy's got a tall order to be able to sort of you know, turn that, the business juggernaut round and getting, headed, getting it heading towards that again. Yeah, five to ten years, I think, before Manchester United recover from this, mate. Unless they absolutely spend their way out of it, then they become as bad as the the noisy neighbours that that they were slating for doing <laughs> such a thing in the first place. 
Well, it's interesting to see as well, Man United uh, as well, looking like they might be deducted points uh, for still thinking they're a big club after this as well. Ah, uh, see what I did there? Whoa, Very that's good. dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> it's interesting to see what happens there. Good luck to you, Man United. Uh, and Man City, maybe Omar uh, got out at the right time with everything they've got to come this season and this year. We're hearing a lot of rumours, but... Uh, Obviously, Richard Masters still can't tell us a date, lads, on what's going to happen there, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with more to play. Dazzy, you're up next. We're almost up with it. We're all up on time here on the Northeast Brecky cool. Show. We've spoken a lot yeah. about Sunderland. We've spoken a lot about Borough. We spoke about Kieran Trippier, obviously, Kevin Phillips as well. Great show, lads, on the Monday. God, lads, tomorrow. It's big day for the Borough. It's Chelsea day. It's Middlesbrough off to Stamford Bridge to take on Chelsea in what is... One of the biggest games I can remember in the recent times for Borough uh, going up to Chelsea for a chance to be in that final. My goodness, we're so close we can taste it. A big, big obstacle to overcome uh, now Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. But uh, tomorrow's show, I'm very nervous. I don't think I'm going to sleep well for the next two nights. But uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk about it tomorrow. Uh, That's correct. Uh, I'm back to the no sleeping ways. We will be back with the... Big, big game tomorrow to talk about that. Uh, Daz, your show next, though, yeah. you big larrikin. What have we got on <laughs> the Daz Morning Special? Uh, we've got the all usual nonsense. We've got a chat degree this morning. Our chat degree is... I went for a, a haircut at the weekend. Um, yes, looking uh, smooth, you know. Uh, so I thought, sure. can we have some films and uh, songs and TV shows for the hairdressers? So things like uh, Shaving Private Ryan, uh, Comb Together... <laughs> Um, bleach for the sky and holding out for a hairdo. Um, so what about Spirit of Radio by Brush? <laughs> Very good. Mullet of Kintyre. Very good. Um, oh, I, ne- I nearly hit the button when you said uh, shaving private right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about Journey Separate Waves? Oh yeah, very good. Um, Perms well, of Endement. Um, oh uh, look, yes. Uh, yes. So we've got all them to come this I'm morning. Listen. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. Join in. Uh, yeah. Like for once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was a dig. <laughs> um, we've also got the quiz that very is good. sweeping the nation. Name that theme this morning. So all the usual nonsense uh, after nine. But that Excellent. is it for this morning. Absolutely love it. That is well done, lads. great show. See Happy tomorrow, Monday lads. to everyone. Have a fantastic day if you're out there. Stay safe with the storm as always. We'll be back tomorrow to talk Middlesbrough, Chelsea, and everything under the sun in the northeast as we take you into your beautiful, beautiful working week. As we start off the year with the best radio station and the best finished. radio. <laughs> no, 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 wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? Shut What's up, up Brian. I've got a song to play. I'm wrapping it up. Work, mate, I'm wrapping it up. Okay, bye. bye. Have a good one. All the best, guys. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat.